With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano or when you want a big two-toned cookie or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Welcome back, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, to another episode of the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, the flagship podcast, which has now turned into a YouTube live stream as well. Uh, the standard is the standard, a pro- aptly named. Uh, in, I'm Jeff Hartman, the editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If you're watching on YouTube, awesome. If you don't know that we had a YouTube channel, we do. You can just find us by searching BTSC Steelers Radio. If you're listening to this via iTunes or through our Blog Talk radio channel, um, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you've listened before, most of you have, you know my co-host Lance Williams, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, What's going on, Lance? How are you this evening? I want to challenge that listener that responded about me never showing my face. So let's make it a contest. (laughs) Let's, Let's incentivize our listeners to get me to show my face. How about if we get to what a thousand subscriptions, I'll show my face. How about that? So if you want to see my face and to see what I look like, if we get to a thousand subscriptions, I'll show my face. So how about that? I'm gonna put it out there for you guys. Get us really, really popular and you'll see my face every week. But for now, you're going to see that mug in the <laughs> middle of the screen. So now it's in your hands, disgruntled listener who I appreciate for listening to the program. So keep being disgruntled, keep listening, but get it to a thousand subscribers and you will see my beautiful mug. Okay, yeah. That, I mean, that's a long ways off, but you never know stuff like that can happen quickly. Um, we're going to try to grow this uh, this channel and all that, so uh, absolutely. But you know what? The Pittsburgh Steelers are 5-2 and two when it all boils down to it. Uh, they're coming off a big win against the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 7. Back-to-back wins, or as Mike Tomlin says, they are stacking wins. And yet this is not what we're leading the show off with. Uh, Lance, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Um, we'll We'll touch on the obvious, and then we'll move on to the actual football talk. Well, the obvious thing that we have to talk about at the start of the program, and 
I've gone over this, you know, internally, you know, I've hemmed and hawed about it for the last couple of days because the one thing I don't want this show to be is a cookie-cutter program. I don't want it to be the type of show that you can get and consume anywhere. I don't want it to be like Undisputed. I don't want it to be like First Cake. I don't want it to be like a ton of these shows where you get these these, these worn-out takes that, that you can almost anticipate that you're going to get. But unfortunately, because he keeps chiming in, like the Godfather, just when I'm out, they keep pulling me back in. This Bryant can't stay off of Twitter. Now, the breaking news today is that Martavis Bryant will be inactive on Sunday. He has been deactivated. And essentially, he is being benched by Mike Tomlin for his behavior on social media. Let's start with the simple question, Jeff. Do you agree with the punishment for Martavis Bryant for his comments on Twitter? Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Aloha, I'm Clifford from Yamano Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. All fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, but yeah, I, I do. If you're not going to release him outright, pull LeGarrette Blunt with him, and you're not going to trade him, which the Mike Tomlin openly said he is not going to trade him on Tuesday at his press conference, then this is the only thing you can really do that could have some type of lasting impact on him as a player, as a very young player still. Hey, people, you could sit him a quarter. That doesn't mean anything. You could sit him a half. You sit him down for a whole game, and now all of a sudden what he really wants, which is the football, he has zero chance of getting that this week. So I'm hopeful that this sinks in, that he is learning from this, that this is hopefully the last time we're having to talk about this. I don't think it's the truth. Uh, I was told you, Lance, before we went on the air tonight that I watched his the video of his media session today at his locker. No remorse, not apologetic at all. To me, that's a guy that he doesn't care. He cares about him getting his, and that's what he said. He doesn't care about anything else. I mean, he, I'm sure he likes his teammates, but if you're a team-first guy, I and let's let's be honest, Antonio Brown is a selfish receiver just like every other receiver. He's not going to go out there and throw Juju Smith-Schuster under the bus like Martavis Bryant did. I'm better than Juju. Or Let's not forget what he said at the draft on Twitter after they selected Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round, talking about this is Sammy Coates' replacement, not mine. I don't know. Really rubs me the wrong way, man. What are your thoughts? I, th- I think that the discipline enacted by Tomlin is appropriate. And I think the length is appropriate as well, because I think what you want to do is you want him to know that you're serious. And so if you take away what he wants the most, you're serious. Um, But you also don't want to lose him. And I'll ask you this in, in, in regards to the Detroit game and just how much do you think it'll be a factor, but they're going to need Martavis Bryant to win a Super Bowl. In my opinion, this is an offense that although they scored 29 points, you know, it's an offense and we'll jump into more of this when we break down Cincinnati, the game. It's an offense that kicked five field goals. It's an offense that went one of six in the red zone, two of 11 on third down. And it's an offense that's averaging, I think, around 21 points per game. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. To put that in context, they're averaging over 30 in Los Angeles for the Rams. 
and that's a second-year quarterback in Jared Goff. And Houston is averaging 29 points with a rookie in Deshaun Watson. So put that in perspective. you got a, a 13, 14, or 12, 13-year veteran in Ben Roethlisberger, two-time Super Bowl champion. You've got all these weapons on offense. And it's an offense that is only producing 21 points per game. So put that in perspective. So I think it's appropriate to slap him on the wrist. And it gives him enough time to hopefully be more remorseful than he demonstrated in the press conference. But in my opinion, he's acting like a petulant child. I have teenagers. I've had teenagers. And when you heard Mike Tomlin in the press conference, it sounded like me when I've had conversations with uh, my now adult daughter and my current teenager current teenager, excuse me, when you say the same things over and over and over, they don't do them, and your first response is, you got me out here having to talk about and explain this nonsense. You know I ain't got, I did say I ain't got, no time for this mess here. Please get your SH, you know what else I'm going to say, together. That's kind of how I think that conversation went. So hopefully with the young man sitting down, things will correct itself. The other thing I think is that for some reason, he feels as if he cannot effectively communicate his needs, desires, and wishes to either it could be Tomlin, it could be Kevin Colbert, it could be Ben Roethlisberger, excuse me, it could be Todd Haley. Somehow the communication lines are broken there. Hopefully in this time, they'll get repaired because they need the player. And as far as trading, it's obvious they can't trade him. He has no trade value. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this is a guy that could get one more strike, he's out. So, they're going to have to get it fixed. Unfortunately, they had to take this step. But like Mike Tomlin said, this is just where they are now. This is another step they're going to have to take in the maturation process of one Martavis Bryant. Yeah, it's they they. The word need is something I'm not really ready to say right now. When you say they need him. I don't know if they need him. They can use him, and we're going to talk about that uh, when we break down the upcoming game as well as the past game against the Bengals. But need? I'm not sure if they need him to win at this current juncture. But we'll talk about that later. What do we have next on the docket, Lance? Well, let's jump into the Bengals game. Give me your thoughts, overall observations on the offense. Give me your game ball, and give me some things that stood out to you in the offense's performance against the Cincinnati Bengals? Um, against the Bengals, it reminded me a lot of the trend that has been going on with this offense dating back to the divisional round game against the Kansas City Chiefs in the last playoffs, 2016. In between the 20s, moving the ball almost at, at will, with ease, good play calling, all that stuff happening. And then once you get inside the red zone, or let's be honest, I always view the red zone kind of at the 30. Uh, some might call it the extended red zone, the scoring area. I've heard a bunch of different terms for it. But nonetheless, they really get flustered in that area. They outthink themselves in that area. They don't set themselves up for success well in that area. And when you talk about the offensive performance against the Bengals, it was very similar to the offensive performance in Kansas City the week prior. Great job. Move the ball well. Um, chunk plays. Le'Veon Bell playing out of his mind, yet nothing to show for it. Absolutely nothing. I'm sorry. Chris Boswell should not be kicking five field goals with this offense. Period. Um you know, what is going on? What are the concerns? I think right now, Mike Tomlin and Todd Haley's job should be rather easy. You focus on short yardage, you focus on third down, and you focus on the red zone. Other than that, this offense is playing well. The problem is, is that other than that is a big that, if you know what I mean. Um, 
I think if we're trying to diagnose what is going on in the red zone, what needs to improve in the red zone, I we we text a lot during games and stuff of that nature. I, I honestly feel that they're not setting themselves up well for like from a formation standpoint, and that's the first thing. Um, too many empty sets, in my opinion. It, it, when the Steelers come out empty in the red zone, it really makes me shake my head because you know there's no obvious chance of a run play unless it's a reverse. There's a clear tell that that reverse could be coming because of the receiver going in motion. I wish they'd run more of the bunch formation. You did see that if you paid attention and you maybe we rewatched the game, whether it's recorded on your television or game pass, they did go to that bunch formation several times with success against the Bengals last week. It's something I've talked about on the website behind the steel curtain.com on this show, um, on other podcasts that I've done. That's it's a formation they used to run all the time with Heinz Ward, San Antonio Holmes, Nate Washington, all those players back in those early 2000s. And it was always successful because they were blockers. They could certainly run the football out of that formation and could also throw out of that formation. Um, just something little like that could make a big difference. It's really interesting to me also when you take a look at Ben Roethlisberger and Todd Haley's relationship, and I'm not saying that Roethlisberger doesn't like him, whatever the case may be, but if you listen to Ben Roethlisberger's weekly radio show on Tuesdays at 11 o'clock on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, you will hear him talk, and he talked about the run play at the end of the first half that ended up killing what what should have been two plays to get in the end zone. Instead, they had to settle for a field goal because the officials didn't give Mike Tomlin timeout, even though he was right next to him, had told them he was going to call timeout. They, they basically said it was a nine-second running play. Ben had a chance to change that play at the line of scrimmage. He didn't like the look, but he said he ran it anyways because they had just called a timeout, and that's what Todd Haley wanted to run. I'm sorry, what is that? That's a lame excuse to me. There's so many excuses with this team offensively. They just need, they just need to go out and get the job done and and quite frankly can we work can, can they work the middle of the field a little bit just a little bit every Not throw every throw is outside the hashes or the numbers um very rarely do you see them go down the seam my goodness when it's there it's wide open when you have the weapons on the outside what will it look like this week without Martavis Bryant we'll talk about that as we preview the Lions but um, it's frustrating, but I feel like still, and I can't believe it's taken this long, but I still feel like the offense is moving in the right direction and that on Sunday at Heinz Field, they took a a big step in the right direction. And what's promising is that big that, that big step didn't involve Martavis Bryant. He didn't go off on Sunday and then go off on his Instagram account afterwards. He just held that for the Instagram. And everyone else functioned normally. So I think that that's good news for the Steelers. But what did you think about the offense, Lance? Well, well, let me ask you this, Jeff. I mean, you say that you think the offense is moving in the right direction. We're going on week eight. And at what point are you what you are? I mean, I know, you know, in a long season, you can continue to progress. You can continue to get better. But it's going one of six in red zones. I mean, getting six red zone trips is great. I mean, that, that is a great sign. But it's going you know, to continue to be a bottom third team in third down conversions and in the red zone. I mean, is that sustainable? I mean, when, when, when is it going to prove to be too much and the ship can't continue to take on that much water? Where at some point in time, it breaks the defense and you don't win games. I mean, you're going. They are going to have to improve, or or, or or do they have to? Can they score three touchdowns, maybe in a game, and kick four field goals, and that be the recipe to success? I mean, is this sustainable in your opinion? Um, you know, sustainability. Why would you want to sustain that? I mean, they can sustain that in terms of Chris Boswell kicking a lot of field goals. The question is, is can they improve and start putting more touchdowns? And I think that's a resounding yes if they do some of the simple things. I mean, for crying out loud, before the show started, I went on the Behind the Steel Curtain Twitter feed and said, who has any questions for us to answer live? And I've only I just checked. We have one. And it was about where's Jesse James? 
The guy caught two touchdowns in the opening game against Cleveland, and I haven't looked at his targets specifically since then, but he has not been targeted that much. Maybe, I don't know if he's banged up. Vance McDonald has been seeing more targets than Jesse James. It doesn't add up. He's a good red zone threat. He's a good third down. Let me change my question, Jeff. Let me change my question. Instead of just sustainability, the question ultimately is, can they continue to win operating as efficiently as they are in both the red zone and on third down? And they where, continue to do it and get where they yeah. want to go, which is ultimately a championship. Can they win in places like um, possibly Detroit on Sunday against Indianapolis coming off the bye? Yes and yes with what they're doing now. Can they beat New England in Week 15? No. Can they win a Super Bowl? No. So in, in the in short term, yeah, they could possibly get away with it. In the long term, absolutely not. You just don't turn in a one for six red zone performance against a, a high quality team. And let's be honest, the Detroit Lions offense is what their bread and butter is. They put up a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. Um, if the Steelers want to get into a shootout with the team, they they need to start putting up touchdowns. I think that's what we all thought this was going to be an offense that was capable of outscoring its opponent if it had to. And thankfully the defense has stepped up in a big way. But in the meantime, the Steelers' offense finally needs to start getting its act together when it matters the most. Um, they are moving the ball better. They are getting more yardage, but it all means nothing, and it's a moot point if they can't punch it in in the end zone. I, I think I have some uh, – when we get to our keys for the Lions game, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Um, I think what, what they could do will certainly be helpful. Um, but let's go ahead to your thoughts on the defense. I'll, I'll give you my quick game ball. Um, I'm going to give my game ball to Le'Veon Bell. It's obvious. If I weren't going to give it to Le'Veon Bell, um, just Rosie Nix. Rosie Nix. Exactly. Yeah. He, Roosevelt Nix, <laughs> by the end of the game, he and Vontez Perfect had hit so many times that I felt like they were probably just two people merged into one. I mean, it was just the first few plays, go back and watch it on NFL Game Pass. My goodness, the body's colliding. Oh, man, the, the hits were hard. It, it was a typical Steelers-Bengals game. Um, and you know what? A game ball to Coach Tomlin. And I, I normally don't do this, what? but when people people want to criticize Mike Tomlin for all the failures and the mistakes that he makes, and he's, he's a human just like everyone else, you also need to give the man credit when he does a great job, like he has the last two weeks of putting these distractions behind the team, not letting it tear the team apart, getting them focused for big games and winning games when they matter the most. But a, the biggest factor for me of why I think Mike Tomlin needs a huge pat on the back is I guarantee you leading up to this week, he was preaching control, stay under control. How many penalties did they have against Cincinnati? One for five yards. Not many people are talking about that. That's huge. That's huge in this game. Anytime 55 for the Bengals is on the on the field, you could be goaded into a stupid personal foul penalty. They had one flag for five yards. That's tremendous. Kudos to Mike Tomlin. I give him a game ball too. Now, Lance, what do you think about the defense um, from the Bengals game? Who's your game ball going to? My game ball goes to Bud Dupree what? for the sacks that he got. In that game, um, I think those sacks that they got really changed the momentum. Um, so I'm going to give it to Bud Dupree. That's my game ball. I could have given it to Sean Davis. I could have given it to JJ uh, TJ Watt, excuse me. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Bud Dupree. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to sort out because this defense is playing lights-out football. And when I listen to Tom, Mike Tomlin's comments about adjustments in the second half, and – there actually weren't many adjustments in the second half. I mean, they did a better job of stopping the run on first down, which got them in favorable down and distances. So they buttoned that up. And the offense and the pass rush heated up. But football is complimentary. And the way they are playing offense now is really complimenting this defense. I mean, they only had the ball 20 minutes Cincinnati in the second half. So you're seeing limited snaps, which means that the pass rush is energized and supercharged throughout the old second half of the game. And their ability to get pressure from their front three and from their edge rushers, 
I think is taking this defense to the next level. And when you look at this defense, it's been slowly building through the draft. And when you look at it, it is solid at every level. So they probably arguably have the best 3-4 defensive line in football with Hargrave to it and Wreck-It Ralph. They have the most athletic linebacker in football in Ryan Shazier. They have two young edge rushers that are physical, big, athletic specimen freaks that can get to the quarterback. They have two solid corners in Burns and Hayden. They found the nickel guy off the scrap heap, and they have a very solid safety in Sean Davis. And all these guys are young, and they have depth with a Tyson Alulu, and then they have a guy in Debo, a.k.a. James Harrison, that they could just bring off the bench when they need to get a sack and a pressure spot in Kansas City against his one trick, against his guy that he always gets sacks against. So this defense right now is good at all levels, and I'm willing to say that this is a championship defense. This is a defense that you can put out there every week that's going to perform, and it's going to play solid football. I mean, they've changed their scheme. They play a lot of dime now. I mean, it's just a very solid defense. They don't make many mistakes. Now, the thing that you have to clean up with the defense, and we saw them get gashed a couple of times by Joe Mixon, but that's assignment based. That's not physical. That's not phys- getting whipped physically. That's assignment stuff. And I think because they're young, you're going to see that, and that can get cleaned up. But this defensive staff is doing a well of a job coaching this defense because they've got young pieces, and these guys are producing. They're playing fast. They're physical. And this defense is hunting once again. And, uh, you know, I think it has the potential to possibly be as good as the 2008 defense, dare I say. Ooh, really? Go ahead, go ahead. And and they're going to need it because we've seen this year that the offense is the work in progress. They still both need to build both units, but, um, you know, uh, you know, this defense is outstanding right now. It's playing, it's, it's playing really good football. And also, uh, kudos to uh, Robert Golden for throwing the ball. <laughs> he looked like he's never thrown oh anything ever in his life. He looked like a, two, a four-year-old kid throwing a baseball for the first time down the sideline on a rope for 40 yards. Like, how do you do that? These guys are ridiculous because, I mean, hey, I wouldn't wouldn't think he could ever make that throw again. But, man, that was a great throw. That really changed the outlook of that game. But this defense is, you know, the arrow is pointing up, and I still think it can get better, and I think it will get better. Well, here's my question for you, Lance. We're seven games into this thing. The number 24 comes to mind. That's the number of sacks the Pittsburgh Steelers have registered already this season. Now, those that haven't listened to the show regularly <laughs> and those and those that have, before the season started, I suggested that the Steelers could be close to 50 sacks this year, and Lance laughed me out of the studio. I'm not joking. You Okay, we're almost halfway through this thing, and we have a Lions team that has a tendency to give up sacks. We'll talk about that in a second. You think they get 50? Yeah, I do. I think I think they do. Oh, I mean, man. they um, – I mean, Detroit's offensive line is not good, and they still have Cleveland late in the year. Mm. Last game, in fact, where if you want to pad your sack numbers – you could possibly go out and get eight or nine against Cleveland in week uh, 17. So, yeah, I think they've got a well of a shot to get it. They get pressure all the time, and even more so than getting the sacks. I mean, they're getting like seven, eight quarterback hits a game, which shows that, you know, which shows you that, you know, if you keep getting that many pressures and quarterback hits that at some point those convert into sacks. And so – 
you are what you are, in my opinion, by week seven, and they've shown themselves to be a defensive unit that gets consistent pressure. No doubt, and I've got some really good stats for you when you go to your defensive keys about just that as they head into the Lions game. Um, why don't I talk about some injuries? Is that what you want to do next, Lance? Yeah, before we jump into that Lions game, yeah, let's, let's sure. talk about the injury, uh, the injury status, because I heard something about Juju um, with the concussion stuff, so clarify that for the listeners. Yeah. Okay. So let's. This is confusing because the the NFL players or the NFL teams don't have to be a hundred percent honest when it comes to some of this stuff. But after Wednesday's practice, and that's when we record this show on Wednesday night, whether you're listening Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, this can obviously change. David DeCaster did not practice Wednesday, but that was not injury related. Probably giving him a day off from banging heads with Vontez Perfect repeatedly on Sunday. Uh, Marcus Gilbert did not practice with his hamstring. Vance McDonald did not practice with a knee. It was labeled as a bruise by Mike Tomlin on Tuesday. Stefan Tuitt did also also did not practice with the back injury that kept him out of the lineup last week. And a full participant was Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, Mike Tomlin stated on Tuesday that Smith-Schuster came into the came into the team's facility on Monday, and he was saying that he was having concussion-like symptoms. That does not necessarily mean that he had a concussion, but it did mean that he was entered into the NFL's very strict concussion protocol. So is that I why, had, Jeff, is that, why he lost, is that why he lost his bike? <laughs> you know, I was actually looking forward to having a show where we didn't talk about that. Um, I've had to write more... <laughs> I've had to, when I took this job as the editor of the website, and even when I wrote before that for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, never in my wildest dreams would I think I'd be writing multiple articles about a player's bike being stolen and then recovered. But yet here we are. So um, we had a question on Twitter. Is Juju still in the concussion protocol? If so, do you think he plays? If not, do you think they'll bring Bryant back in? I don't think they're going to bring Bryant back in. That would totally defeat the purpose of the punishment. Um, but Juju Smith-Schuster is still in the protocol. And of those that don't know what protocol is, it, him practicing fully means, A, that's a, that's a good thing. He's not having any symptoms currently. They're going to have to monitor him tomorrow. If he comes back to the facility tomorrow, no headaches, no blurry vision, no sensitivity to light, all that stuff, he'll go through another practice. And as long as he doesn't have reoccurring symptoms, he should be good to go for Sunday. Now, we also had another injury-related question on Twitter and that was, is Tuit going to play this week? Uh, he said, I would rather, um, you know, that's just a big question with the back injury. I'm not sold on Gilbert and Tuit playing this week. Um, I never thought that Gilbert would play this week, even though he was listed as doubtful on the final injury report before the Bengals game. It's just no need to have a hamstring that can linger for the entire season. And people might laugh at that, but give him this week off. Let Hubbard play again. Um, start at right tackle, give him the week off, then the bye week, and then hope that when he comes off the bye, he's good to go and the hamstring is completely healed and he is not going to have these reoccurring issues um, repeatedly for the rest of the season. Vance McDonald um, and Tuit, if, if, if these, either of those guys practice Thursday, then there's a chance. I'm not banking on either of those guys. I expect a lot of Xavier Grimble, Jesse James on Sunday, but I think Juju Smith-Schuster plays. Now, on the Detroit Lions side of things, two tackles with ankle injuries, Emmett Cleary and Greg Robinson, did not play. Uh, that could be big. Um, their their offensive line isn't good as already, and yet then you have injuries to their tackles. They're coming off a of bye week, by the way. Um, Golden Tate was limited with a shoulder injury. I'll be interested to see if he's able to go. Um and no really other big names. Uh, defensive end, Ezekiel Ansah, he has a knee. He was limited as well. So keep an eye on those. We'll have all that stuff on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for you. But uh, ultimately, the Steelers' injury situation is not that bad. I, I wrote that story earlier about how, um, you know, the, where are you entering the midway part of the season? And, yeah, you've got some lingering injuries here or there, but not too bad. Not too bad, Lance. Um, that's, that's what they're facing right now. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. Well, break down this game, Jeff. Give me your thoughts on the offensive side of football and how do you think the Steelers can move it effectively and score points against Detroit Lions. And to your point about injuries, I think it's wise to be cautious with their injury situation with Tua and Gilbert. I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to minimize any game, and I don't want to suggest that you're not trying to win any game, win every game, excuse me. But 
they have a lock on the division. The, the, they are going to win the division unless something catastrophic happens, meaning, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season, Antonio Brown is out, Bell's out. I mean, it's going to take something catastrophic for them not to win the division this year. The division is bad. Last week was another week in which the entire division lost, except for the Steelers. They're already 3-0 and in the division this year. So the, the division is bad. Um, and we kind of see that, you know, they're lucky th- that they have this type of division that they can work with and they can gradually get better every week and not be under stress. So like maybe the Patriots are for the first time in a while when they have, I believe it's three teams in the division with, you know, at least four wins. So yeah. I-, I just wanted to add that to your point in terms of the injuries and them being cautious. But break this game down for us on the offensive side of football. Well, today I was um, you just uh, as I normally do, peruse the internet looking for some interesting stuff to put on on the website, and I found a tweet by ESPN's NFL Matchup official Twitter account, and they talked about defenses that get the most and the least pressure on opposing quarterbacks. This is not quarterback sacks; this is just pressure on the quarterback. And the Detroit Lions are the second to last in this category, only pressuring the quarterback twenty point seven percent of the time they don't get after the quarterback very much uh and i think that is a real that's really good news but just look at the numbers about this lions defense and this is kind of what kind of started my thought process for how the steelers should probably attack them um they only have 13 sacks through six games they're coming off their buys i mentioned earlier they're 19th in yards allowed, and you're thinking, okay, that's kind of middle of the road, but it only gets worse from there. They're 22nd in the NFL, giving up 244.2 yards per game through the air. They're 8th against the run. They give up 94.3, and they give up 24.8 yards. I'm sorry, they're 24.8, which ranks 28th in the league. Um, this defense, in my opinion, is mediocre at best. I think if there's a, if so far, if you look back at the Steelers' opponents, even Cleveland, even Chicago, even Minnesota, I could go through the whole schedule. This is probably the the worst defense that they've faced to date. Because even Cincinnati, the defense is their strength. Um, they have a good pass defense and, and they play defense well. They know the Steelers well. I think here you have a Detroit Lions team that not only is owned by the Steelers, they haven't beaten the Steelers since Charlie Batch was the quarterback for the Detroit Lions, and I believe that was Thanksgiving in 1994. Correct me if I'm wrong. But anyways, um, this is an offense that should be able to have their way with the Detroit Lions defense. Run it when you want to run it and throw it when you want to throw it, but you really need to be smart about when you do both. I think the Steelers are slowly finding a formula. It might not be the formula that a lot of people want to see the Steelers turn to, but it, this team is turning into a power-running team. When was the last time you saw, especially under Todd Haley, the fullback featured as much as we've seen Roosevelt Knicks featured in the last two weeks? I cannot think of a time since Dan Kreider was leading the way for Willie Parker and Jerome Bettis in the early 2000s. They are transforming themselves into a power-running team. So what are going to be the keys for success for the Steelers? Anymore, I always preach balance, and I still will, but it's going to be run the football first. They're going to come out. They're going to bring their heavy look. I'm sure they're going to get an extra tight end on the field. Vance McDonald, if he can play, has been doing a tremendous job, sealing the edge, climbing to the second level. It's really allowed Le'Veon Bell to do what he does best, and that is when he gets one-on-one with a cornerback safety, there's no chance. Ask Trey Kirkpatrick what happens when that happens to a, a defensive back. Yeah, he got bounced like a basketball. So um, I think that the Steelers are going to come out, run the football, and then they're going to take their shots. And it's time that this team starts to connect on some of those. But I, I don't want them to be so enamored with the shots that are just vertical deep passes every single time. Go down the seam. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get a have a unbelievable chance on Sunday with Bryant out of the lineup, and so is Eli Rogers. They're going to see more playing time. I wouldn't. Justin Hunter will probably get a helmet. Some of these guys need to step up. I think that they're poised to have a good game through the air. 
I think that you might see a lot more balance in the red zone. And that's my last key is you you run the ball early. That was number one. You take your connect on them because they haven't connected on them yet this year very often unless they just draw defensive pass interference, which I get that's still a big play. But when it gets down to the red zone, they really need to be creative and they need to continue to try to stay balanced. Um, again, I talked about the formation stuff earlier. If you're going to run the football, run the football, but be smart. You can throw the ball on first down every now and then. And that's something that te- you and I text each other constantly is, can we get a first down pass? But I understand why they don't. I mean, I, I can think specifically to a drive. It was, I want to say, maybe after Joe Hayden's interception, interception against yeah. the Bengals. They came out, they tried to throw the ball on first down, incomplete pass. They want to run it on second down, gain of maybe two. You set up yourself for third and eight, and they end up maybe gaining three, four yards. They settle for a field goal. It just seems like this team is a rhythm team that's going to want to run it on first down no matter what, and then they're going to try to throw it when they have to. To me, you're playing with fire when you do that. Uh, when you get a team, a defense that is really prepared and a defense that is really good at taking away options for a quarterback, bad things happen. So I hope they stay balanced in the red zone. I hope that they watch other teams in the red zone. I I really wish they did because I watched the Philadelphia Eagles and and Washington Redskins on Monday night football. And that wasn't, that wasn't a great game by a, a long shot, but I'll tell you what, the Philadelphia Eagles offense, when they get down that red zone are super creative. If I were Todd Haley, I would be sketching out specific plays that we only run in the red zone. And they might have those, but it certainly it sure as hell doesn't seem like they do. Uh, just like you would have two-point conversion plays and plays that you run inside the five, you really need to start being creative, some misdirection type stuff. Nothing is ever easy for the Steelers. I, I watched a touchdown to Zach Ertz on Monday Night Football, and it was he walked into the end zone. Now, that could have been a blown coverage, but it was also a good design, something that you see very few of for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if they can do those, if they can cash in in the red zone, if they just go 500, Lance, <laughs> I think they're going to be able to move the football. If they can just go 500 in the red zone, three for six maybe, it's in it's in the bag. They're, they're going to put points on the board against this defense. But that's, that, that's what my thing is. Um, run the football. Take your shots. Hopefully connect on a few. Finish in the red zone. And you'll be able to take care of this team and head into the bye on a good offensive note. Anything to add there before you go to defense, Lance? I think those are solid points. And to your point about Philadelphia, and I was writing that on Twitter, that listeners, when you want to, when you're observing a team in the red zone, the true test for me to see if they're well schemed is how open are the wide receivers getting on play calls. I'm not talking about late in the down calls where the quarterback is moving around and it's a bust and people are moving around and guys can't plaster guys and guys are coming free. No, look at offensive plays where the called play gets guys open. And to your point about the Zach Ertz play, the guys wide open. I think they had another two or three uh, possessions in the red zone where guys were scoring untouched just running in the end zone because the scheme and the design and the play design got the guy open. When you look at the Steelers sometimes in the red zone, some of the play calls have no chance based on the defense that the call is going up against. You can just see the formation. You could see the defense. You could say, oh, this has no chance to work. There's nothing. (laughs) There's no way this can work. So hopefully – the Steelers can continue to be you know, a work in progress and to get that fixed. On the defensive side of football, I'm going to keep it simple. I always like to give you guys a rhyme. And let me give you the rhyme. It's simply this. If the Steelers want to get their sixth victory, the number to concentrate on is 23. And to Jeff's point, when you watch the Detroit Lions, what stands out is they are bad up front on offense. The other thing that stands out is if you hit Matthew Stafford or you make it uncomfortable for Matthew Stafford in the pocket, he will put the ball on the ground. For an elite quarterback, his level of ball security is really bad. 
if you can pressure him effectively, you will win the football game. It's that simple. It's about getting effective, consistent pressure. One thing they'll have to do is they'll have to rush him with discipline because he does have the ability to get out of the tackles. I mean, he's not going to kill you like a Michael Vick, but he does have the ability to move left or right out of the pocket and throw at a variety of arm angles. He might have the best arm in football. I know people talk about Aaron Rodgers. They're probably one and two, but he does ridiculous, outrageous stuff with his arm as well. So I think you play, continue, play your cover two, your cover three. You keep everything in front, drive on the football and tackle. Abdullah is an explosive back, but I think with Abdullah, I don't think he's any more explosive than Joe Mixon. The key to the Steelers, again, is being disciplined in their run fits and their gap integrity. But the key to this game is getting pressure on Matthew Stafford. And how do you do that? You have to button up on first down when they try to run the football. They do have a big physical tight end that's pretty good, but I don't think he's a guy that can wreck your game. So if he gets some stuff, you know, I think it's okay. But again, I think the biggest thing in this game is you got to get pressure on Matthew Stafford in terms of receiving the ball. My fellow Cal alum, Marvin Jones, is probably their best weapon in the passing game. I think Marvin is a solid player, but again, I don't think he's the type of guy that can wreck your game. When I look at Detroit, Detroit is a solid team, but an average team. And the reason why they're average is because they're just not good enough up front. And we were talking about the Steelers' ability to get pressure this year. And this is a team that they should be able to get pressure against. And the tight end I was talking about is Darren Fells, number 87. Big physical target, big physical guy that can get you in the seams. The Steelers do struggle. I mean, that's one of their areas that they struggle with uh, is guarding tight ends. The other is they struggle in the red zone. That's going to be key is that the Steelers struggle on offense in the red zone and on defense. And so try to limit Detroit to field goals as well. I know that's obvious, but that's something that they have to do. Some of the other things I'm looking forward to, um, it's just really wanting to see this defense from the outset really get after Matthew Stafford. That's what I want to see in this game. And I, I think given the matchups, given the injuries with some of their tackles, like you suggested earlier in, in the podcast, I think the Steelers are going to have a lot of success against this Detroit offense. So, again, the number to focus on is 23 if you want to get the sixth victory, and that's the 23 sacks the Detroit Lions have given up this year. Yeah, no, I think when I look at Matthew Stafford, and he is a very talented player, I like watching him play. Sometimes he has really bad pocket awareness, though, in my opinion. Um, I agree. He takes some really unnecessary shots, and I mean getting hit. He just doesn't feel it all the time. And when you look at TJ Watt, James Harrison, or Bud Dupree, I heck, you could probably even throw Anthony Chiquillo in that group. I don't think there's a tackle on that team that can stop those players. Uh, go back and watch. I know you have Lance, but if you're listening and you have NFL Game Pass, go back and just watch TJ Watt's body of work against Cincinnati. You, does let me just say this doesn't look like a rookie. Does not look like a rookie. He is polished. He knows how to beat tackles. That was the knock on him coming out of college. That all his sacks in Wisconsin were all against tight ends. He's doing the job, my friend. And if 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 they if they can continue to get pressure without blitzing, that's the key. Then like. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, Jeff. To that point about Watt is they aren't running – they're not running games for him either right now. No. And when I say games, listeners, I mean the, the stunt or the twist that they ran for Bud Dupree to get him free for one of the sacks. They're not running games for him. They're letting him go ahead and compete mano a mano one-on-one against tackles. And with his motor and his energy and his effort and his speed – He's winning in a lot of instances, but wait till they start scheming to get him free. Then it's going to be really filthy. Well, when was the last time you saw a defense, the Steelers defense actually stunt and it worked? It's been a while. I, I, I'm not joking. It, it seems like it's been since Aaron Smith, Brett Kiesel, and you had Lawrence Timmons uh, and Larry Foote coming down the middle 
was the last time you saw some stunts like that actually work. It was good to see the Steelers' defense start to click in that aspect. Um, high hopes for this defense. Uh, I, if I'm going to put a prediction on the defense, I wouldn't be shocked if they move the ball early, just like Cincinnati did against Pittsburgh, but then they'll settle in and they'll start to make some plays in the second half. So um, you want me to go first with predictions, Lance, or do you want to go? Absolutely. You want me to go first? Give me your prediction, baby. Okay, all right. Well, um, I just think that offensively and defensively, this might be the first time this season, maybe since week one or week three in Chicago, that it would be hands down that the Steelers are the better team on both sides of the football without any discussion. Even against Baltimore in week four, the Baltimore defense at the time was considered one of the better units in the NFL. And so you're kind of looking at that and wondering, you know, who matches up well, where, um, I like the way the Steelers offense matches up against the Detroit defense. And I like the way the Steelers defense matches up against their offense. The question is the red zone on both sides of the football. I think the Steelers defense will settle in before the offense, but I do think the offense is going to score more touchdowns than they did the last week against the Cincinnati Bengals at Heinz field. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think the Steelers win. They win three in a row going into their bye week. And I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers win by a score of, uh, they're going to go over 30 for the first time this year, Lance. It's going to be 33 to 17. I think that they get the best of them in the second half. Heck, it might be the first half. 33-17, I think Pittsburgh wins. What do you think? I like that 17 number. I'm going to take a couple of points off of that 33, and I'm going to go 31-17. Okay. I think they dominate this game. And they go into the bye week feeling really good as the one seed at the eight-game mark. But, Jeff, before we get out of here, I want to ask one question. We've been talking about this offense. And yep. Le'Veon Bell, 38 touches the last two weeks. I understand that they're morphing into a power running football team. And I like it because the one thing we've seen as a result of that is Ben Roethlisberger's yards per attempt, largely because the number of attempts have gone down. His yards per attempt are up over 10. And we know if your yards per attempt are over 10, that that's just absolutely ridiculous. So they're morphing back into this power running play action football team. With that being said, if they continue with this identity, can they do this with Le'Veon Bell continuing to have that type of workload? Uh, that's a very good question, and it's one that definitely needs to be asked at the point of the season. I personally would like James Conner to see more repetitions and get more carries, take some of that load off of Bell. But it's also really difficult to take Bell's making plays like he has. I think the kicker for me is that James Conner, when given the opportunity, has made plays this season. Um, his rushes, I think his average yards per attempt is over four yards per carry. Now, he doesn't have a lot of carries, but when he's been given a chance, he's he's made the most of it, and he does he, all of the offensive line. The big issue with James Conner is pass protection. If they put him in there and passing downs, you think back to Jacksonville, the first interception that Ben Roethlisberger threw, he was hurried because James Conner blew an assignment so uh, and didn't do his job in pass pro. And, and Le'Veon Bell, one of his more underrated fe features as a running protection, he's very good at it. He's the pocket well, knows where Roethlisberger is going to be, where he wants to go. Um, all that just adds up to the fact that Le'Veon Bell is that important to this team, and especially now that the identity is switching to identities. So uh, for me, I'd like to see James Conner get maybe around 10 touches a game, and that would take some of the load off of Bell. It wouldn't be a dramatic decrease. I mean, you're looking at from 35 touches to maybe 25 or 27. I don't see anything wrong with that because you have to look at some of those touches too. Um, for instance, sometimes sometimes a carry, they're not getting popped every single time they touch the ball. So I don't know. A lot of people are saying that, you know, Willie Parker is going to run the wheels off him. I don't necessarily see that. But you do have to think about 2016 when they didn't 
put any type of snap count or touch count on Le'Veon Bell. He ended up hurting his groin, and in my opinion, that totally derailed their efforts in New England in the AFC Championship game. Do you agree, or do you think they should do something different with Le'Veon Bell? I agree, and I I think Connor will need to get some touches, and I think if you want to keep it up over 30 touches, then it'll have to be more pass targets and fewer actual carries where they can take some carries off of him where he's not getting hit on the carries where he could catch a little out route, shake a linebacker, and and get out of bounds because he's a violent runner. So I'm just worried that, um, you know, they're going to over-rely on Bell and overuse him and possibly wear him down down the stretch. So I think we're of a like mind that they need to get Connor more involved in the game plan because it's funny you talk about pass protection because what have we seen in the last couple of weeks? We've seen uh, Hunt and Mixon both get Vince Williams in <laughs> pass protection as Vince Williams just teed off on young running backs in pass protection, just yep. trying to tattoo his helmet on their chest. He was killing those guys in pass protection. It was absolutely funny because you could, it looked like he was trying to kill those guys in pass protection. Like, if you're going to put this little rookie out here, I'm going to run through his chest, and I'm then going to step on his chest, and then I'm going to hit your quarterback. <laughs> he looked like he took it personally. Like, you better get somebody out here that can block me, and if you don't, I'm going to kill him and your quarterback. So you're absolutely right when it comes to John Connor. But, but Jeff, why don't you have the last word this week um, oh, very good. on anything, Steeler, and, and what's going on um, um, on the site? And maybe you can, in your last word, give us a WTF. Oh, I'm, I swear we didn't talk about this, but I have one that's already ready. I mean, I was going to ask, can I say something before you go? So this is perfect. Uh, before I get into this, uh, before I talk about the website, our show is always sponsored by Frank Walker Law for the best trial attorney in Western Pennsylvania and Northern West Virginia. Check out frankwalkerlaw.com for all your attorney needs. Hopefully you don't need him, but if you do, check him out. Um, on the website coming up, we got some great stuff, a lot of good features coming up, film rooms, um, stuff like that. I have a, an interesting article People might forget the Steelers are going to Ford Field this Sunday. The last time they were there was Super Bowl 40, and there's only two players on the team remaining from that Super Bowl 40 team. That's James Harrison and Ben Roethlisberger. Found a pretty cool video on YouTube just to kind of embed into the article to take a trip down memory lane of the last time the Steelers were at Ford Field. So um, that'll be cool. Check out some other stuff that we have going on behind the steelcurtain.com. But my WTF segment. Um, is, is to Steeler fans out there because I'm a Steeler fan. Lance is a Steeler fan. We've been fans our whole lives. But at the same time, when I write about the team as much as I do, you do have to be a little subjective from time to time. And one of the things that I always laughed at was when um, it was constantly stated that Le'Veon Bell was horrible. He missed training camp. Um, he should be cut. He's a bum. Um, he's a prima donna. He asked too much money, yada, yada, yada. Everyone knows Everything that was said on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, you name it. The platform doesn't matter. The message was always the same. My issue is, are you still angry? Are you still <laughs> mad? Because I've said it since day one, when the guy's scoring touchdowns and making people look foolish on the football field, you're not going to be saying a damn thing. You're going to be sitting there thinking, boy, I'm glad he's on a Pittsburgh Steelers again. And that's exactly what's happening. All these people that are hating on Martavis Bryant now are the same people that are hating on Le'Veon Bell early in the season. They were hating on Antonio Brown for throwing a Gatorade jug like that has anything to do with football whatsoever. And when these players start... Exactly. And when when the players start playing well, all of a sudden, yay, I'm going to go buy your jersey now. It's ridiculous. Fans, just keep the knee-jerk reaction stuff out of it, okay? Le'Veon Bell wants more money. Good for him. I hope he gets as much as he can because lifespans in terms of NFL careers for running backs is very, very short. Hit while the iron's hot. And if you get as much money as you can, take it and go. He's making $12 million this year. He's going to get a long-term deal probably next year. Just, gosh, calm down. My goodness, everyone has to have a, a, an opinion on everything, and it's so knee-jerk. No one's complaining about Le'Veon Bell now that he is running over people, scoring touchdowns, and being every bit as dynamic as he was in 2016 and 
2014, which I think was his best season of his career before the knee injury against the Bengals in week 17. So Lance, that's kind of my WTF segment. Fans, calm down on the hate, okay? You might want to hate Martavis Bryant right now, but if all of a sudden against the New England Patriots in week 15, he catches two bombs for two touchdowns, I don't think you're going to be hating him because he just played well for your favorite team. So with that said, I'm out. Lance, you have anything to add? Drop the mic, baby. You just <laughs> dropped the mic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of The Standard is the Standard. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Just search BTSE Steelers Radio. Follow us on iTunes. Standard is the Standard. Just search that. You'll find us. Subscribe. You'll get every single podcast we offer. And as always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Lance, thanks for your time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week, I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.